Welcome to the Mothers You Know podcast. Thank you for being here. This is a place where we as women remember the spirit God gave us. We know how much we matter and we believe all things are possible to them that believe on this Savior Jesus Christ. Here at Mothers You Know, we support the parents of young men in the Sons of Healman and young women in the Daughters of Light programs at Life Changing Services. These programs provide therapeutic and mentoring services for youth struggling with depression, anxiety, self-harm, pornography, and any other unwanted or difficult behaviors. We offer parent support, training, and resources for mothers and fathers seeking the best way to support their loved one. Any mother is welcome to join in the Mothers Who Know classes support and training. You do not need to have a child in life-changing services to join in. We hope you'll join us. I am Karen Broadhead. I serve as the director of Mothers You Know, and I serve as the parent support specialist at life-changing services. I invite you to join with me and other mothers from across the country in our Warrior Mothers Who Know online support and training group. If you have a child struggling with pornography, depression, anxiety, or other difficult behaviors, you will find a safe and uplifting place to learn from other moms and learn principles and strategies to best support your loved one. Please go to motherswhoknow.org to find the online meeting details. We talk about difficult things here with the intent to shine light in dark corners and to eliminate isolation and shame. We are mothers with warrior hearts who are raising the warriors of this generation. We know we must learn to fight well for ourselves first, then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Okay, welcome moms. It's so fun to see your faces and names popping up here this morning. It's still morning where I'm at and we're just so excited to have Ashley. Lots of you remember Ashley from our, just the boundary series that was recently posted on our Mothers Who Know podcast channel. And we just appreciate when she also came to be a special presenter for our Stay by the Tree series. And I just was so touched by that message, Ashley. You came kind of like uh, it wasn't coming together like I planned and thought. And it was just the place we needed you to be. And it just felt so, I don't know, just felt like something, something to be understood and to also be Lots of us are in those places of <laughs> things aren't fitting together. So if you haven't listened to that, that special presentation, it was a stay by the tree presentation. We will put that in the chat so that you can go back and listen to that. But, and also the, the boundary series that she helped with. So Karen won't be here today. We'll be missing her today, but Debbie and I will be helping here. We're going to start with just a little bit of information so that everybody's on the same page. And then Debbie will be watching the chat and helping with questions as they come in. And Ashley's just going to, we're just going to let her kind of take it where she wants. She'll share information and I know she'll be open for questions as well. And so, but I wanted to just give a little bit of information before we get started. If I can, I'm going to have to go do this in a roundabout way, but we got this. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, just so just we have lots of new mamas. So welcome if you're new and welcome if you're listening to the recording. 
this has been so valuable to me personally and so many of you to be just a part of these Mothers Who Know trainings and groups that are available. So many things are free there. Mothers Who Know is just this faith-filled online gathering place for us as moms and women, you know, just mothers of all ages and stages who are wanting to support our families and our loved ones in the best way and just to find a peaceful place to do that. And this has been just a great support for that. So Ashley is here and she's going to be talking a little bit just about supporting loved ones who marriage or relationships have been affected by pornography or other just sexual, I'm not thinking of the word, but addiction is on here, just that, or are other in other difficult relationships. But Ashley has a lot of great information to share on people who are supporting those affected by those different situations. And so she'll be sharing about that today. Ashley, just to thank you for being here and joining us. And it's been such a treat to be able to get to know you over the past couple of months and to feel like, hey, Ashley's a part of what we do here. And, and thanks for being part of our sidekicks and just sharing a, your experience and your heart with all of us. We all need each other. We've found that out. Ashley, I'm just going to share just a little bit of information about you that I have, and then we'd love to hear, love to just hear a little bit of background information from you and just anything else you'd like to share before we start. So Ashley's drive to be a therapist comes from her personal experience with betrayal trauma. And during a very difficult time in her life, she felt so alone. She believed there was no way anyone would understand what she was experiencing. However, through support groups, she learned that this belief is one of the adversary's favorite tactics. He works in shadows and isolation, and his power comes from secrets. So knowing these truths, she worked daily to bring these things to light, just building connections and drawing power from truth. She encourages her clients that work with her to be empowered to do the same. And then Ashley, if you might just share a little bit about the, the work you're doing now with, I know you work with several different groups and have some special things to offer for people, but we would just, I, I just love you to take it from here and maybe share a little bit of, of that information and anything else you feel in there. Okay. Um, I am so honored that you called me a part of the Mothers You Know family or those weren't your exact words, but that's how I internalized it because I just love being here and coming and participating with what you guys do. I was telling Karen a couple of weeks ago that I felt like I needed to come do something with mothers who know. And so I really appreciate that she would let me come back and just be a part of what happens here. My, I'm so excited about the retreat. I'm, I'm going, so come and go with me. I'm so excited. I work with life-changing services. So that's the company that kind of houses mothers who know, and I run worth groups for them. Worth groups are groups specifically for women experiencing betrayal trauma. I have one group that's marriage focused and one group that's a divorce, divorce support. And I also teach their marriage repair class once a week. So I'm one of the people that teach that. So that's what I do with life-changing services. I take individual clients with a company based out of Utah. And then I have a company called Rejoice Recovery where I just chase my dreams. So Rejoice Recovery is the company that I'm teaching the bystander class out of that we'll talk about today. And then I'm also the company we're writing a book that hopefully will be published soon. And we 
run retreats and we teach classes and we do just so many things. So rejoicerecovery.org is where you can just find me chasing dreams and the company that I work there. So that's a little bit about what I do. The bio that BJ read discloses that I've experienced my own betrayal trauma. And that's kind of what got me here before. Sorry, I see the chat. It's rejoice recovery, not discovery. Rejoice recovery. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I like alliteration. So the two R's is important. There we go. I, I'm at this interesting space where I'm almost grateful for the betrayal trauma that I experienced because it's changed my life in such a way that I could have never changed on my own. I would never have dreamed about coming and speaking at Mothers Who Know had I not gone through it myself. And then there was this point in my in my betrayal trauma recovery where I watched a friend of mine go talk to a counselor who had just told me really damaging information. And I had done enough recovery work to know that what that counselor had said wasn't wasn't truth and it wasn't helpful and I didn't need to internalize it. But watching my friend go talk to him really hit me hard. And I, I just prayed and was like, Heavenly Father, she can't be okay. If she's about to go hear the same stuff that I just heard, that's not okay. I have to do something. What can I do? And I was thinking like, take cookies. But the answer was, you need to be a counselor. So I ended up, I ended up shifting my entire life. I was an educator prior to that for about 10 years and left that job and jumped into grad school. And now I'm here and it just blows my mind because this is not a life I would have ever imagined. And I actually really like it. So that's, I guess, what happens when we just let the Lord guide. He knows what's going on and he could take his places. But that's the only reason that I'm here is because of his guidance. I hate the introduction pieces because I don't know what to say. So is that enough? Are we are we good? <laughs> Can I move on? To oh, I would love you to give us a tiny bit more, Ashley. I know you don't oh, like do you want to know. I'm a single mom of two. I have an 11 year old and a five year old and both of them were crying when I dropped them off today because we have lots of big emotions and there was lots of snow and that made everything stressful. That totally does. Oh, thank you. That's good to hear a little bit about your, your family and okay. And as we go, I'm sure we'll hear a little bit more. I just never know what to say. Talking about myself is weird. I don't know which pieces to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Today though, I wanted to talk about my class. Bystander basics is what it's called. And I it's hard to summarize in one sentence. So it makes it really hard to just tell people what's going on. So instead, I want to tell you how it was created. So I was going through betrayal trauma. And there's this part of betrayal trauma where your whole life just feels cloudy. You're not even sure who you are. You're not quite sure how to behave the things that you thought were true turns out maybe they weren't so true in your relationship and so does that apply to everything and if everything i thought was true isn't true then what does that mean about me and where i'm at and what i'm going through and so it's just this hazy piece and in the middle of that hazy piece there's so much internal work that's being done that it's almost impossible to do any kind of external work including connecting with important people in my life if, for me personally and there's similarities through lots of women that i work with if the person experiencing addiction is so far into their addiction that they also have some narcissistic tendencies coming with it then part of those narcissistic tendencies include gaslighting and shaming and blaming and isolating and so when i was in the middle of being gaslit and shamed and blamed and isolated I didn't feel like I could even reach out to anybody. 
I felt very alone and like there was nothing I could do about it. And in that space, my mom was trying desperately to reach out to me. And because I didn't really even know what was going on, when she would reach out to me, I would return with defensiveness because I had no clue. All I knew was that this person that I loved was really hurting me. And this other person that I loved show was showing up at my door saying, hey, are you okay? Do we need to get you out of this relationship? And I didn't have any clue what was happening. And so I was getting frustrated and defensive and our relationship just really, really struggled. Because of the tactic of isolating, our relationship, my relationship was struggling with my mom and then my partner was encouraging distance and my adversary was encouraging distance. And so I just got farther and farther away from these important relationships in my life. And my parents watched me change. I wasn't myself anymore. And they didn't know what was happening because I wasn't being open and honest with them because I was isolating. So all of this was happening. Fast forward seven years or so, and I've worked in my recovery. I'm in grad school. I'm in a safe space. I've divorced my spouse. And now I'm feeling all of these other happy, healthy, peaceful emotions. And I just start talking to my mom. And it wasn't like, a, let me sit down and tell you what I was going through, but we'd be sitting there chatting or we'd be watching a show and I'd say something like, well, yeah, I had that kind of abuse in my relationship. Like just little pieces started coming out to where suddenly I was feeling okay to be able to talk with her. And what we discovered as our relationship started to grow again was that watching me go through all of those things really affected her and if i were still in that trauma the idea that oh watching me go through this is affecting you would just be so frustrating because i can't be in charge of you so stop it but now being outside of it and having worked through it so much knowing the kind of struggle that she had to go through has left me uh sorrowing for all of the other people who are watching their loved one go through what i went through as I became more open and healing some more, then I also started talking with like my cousins. And my cousins one day said, we all knew something was wrong, but nobody knew what to do. And I said, oh, my mom has said similar things. Or my best friend who just said something shifted, like it just didn't feel right being near you anymore. And I didn't know why. Well, now I know it's because my life was crazy and I had all of these things going on and people could sense it. But at the time I had no idea. And so, as my mom and I have been talking about this whole group of people who are affected by someone in betrayal trauma, someone who is engaging in some kind of a connection with someone in an addiction, our heart has just been pulled to this whole unnamed group of people. So we have named you. You're a bystander. We've called them bystanders because you're not actively in it. You're just witnessing trauma. but witnessing trauma, even if you don't know what's happening, affects you and you can't witness it without it affecting you. There's lots of studies about how even just having a secret in a relationship affects the entire family system or having addiction in a, in a, a person affects the entire family system. So there's research that supports it. And yet when it comes specifically to addiction recovery, all the rest of the family system is ignored. And for a long time, there was only focus on the person in addiction, 
just the addict, even if you look at like Alcoholics Anonymous, that was the only thing that existed for a while. And then pretty soon we started expanding out to partners. So Alcoholics Anonymous now just has Al-Anon for like family members of the alcoholics. We have betrayal trauma recovery for the spouses of the individual dealing with sexual acting out, misbehaviors, things like this. And we have like the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has their support groups for family members of those people, but there's, there's no one who's the family member of the betrayal trauma. And all of these bystanders who are trying so hard to be supportive and to be helpful, but just have no idea what's happening. And if, the, if their loved one is like I was when my mom would try to be helpful and supportive because of where I was at in my recovery, I would respond with defensiveness and anger. And neither of us knew why. I didn't have a clue why, and she didn't have a clue why, and she was just left confused. So our goal with this class is to be the, the people that finally talk to bystanders. This class is meant for bystanders. Whether you're a bystander because you're a grandmother witnessing something happen with a grandchild, or you're a mom witnessing something happen with your daughter, or your or son, sons go through betrayal trauma as well, or your best friend, or your sister, or your cousin. However, you are watching this happen. This, that's what this class is talking about. And that's the, the people that we are talking to. And we teach what it's like to be in betrayal trauma. We, I think what's been my favorite part of it is I team teach it with my mom. And so we have this incredible opportunity of talking to someone who's been the bystander and she's very open and we are very comfortable now with the kind of pain that we caused each other. <laughs> And so we can just talk about what that was like. So the class provides a safe space to come and show up and say, this is hurting me and I don't know what to do about it. And then my mom's right there with, yep, it hurt me too. Here we go and starts building that connection. And then I get to be this new role of this might be what's going on. This is how it worked for me. This is what I was experiencing. So it provides a safe place to just ask questions about what's happening in betrayal trauma. What is my loved one going through and why is it hitting me so much and what can I do to help? So that's how the class came about. And I just wanted to kind of start there and see if anyone had any questions or comments or concerns, because if you are the person in betrayal trauma, it can be kind of scary. I've had lots of people just want to know what is it that you'll be teaching? So I know what my mom's going to be wanting to do or whatever. So just start with questions and I can go week by week and talk about what we're teaching if we need to take up time, but I would rather, I would rather just answer questions if there are any. So I'll pause for a second. Okay. I do see that there is one question in the chat and then I've got a couple of more, a couple of other ones. So if the trauma is caused by something besides addiction, is the bystander class still relevant? We will talk specifically about addiction for the first week or two. And then after that, it's no longer addiction specific, but all of the tools and all of the relationship dynamics that we might see can happen even in just any kind of a difficult relationship, whether they have narcissistic tendencies or whether it's a, like a borderline personality struggle that's happening, any, really hard relationships that you're having to witness and you don't know how to support 
to be benefited from. Okay. Wonderful. And then you meant just to clarify something you mentioned, and I've heard it a couple of times, but I don't know exactly what it is. You said gaslighting. Oh, what is that? <laughs> Thank you for asking. Gaslighting is a tactic that we often see happening in individuals battling addictions. It's usually a subconscious thing, but the goal of it is to shift blame onto someone else. And it happens in this really kind of, my word just left. Sneaky. That's what I was going for. It's really kind of sneaky way. So the word gaslighting comes from a movie from the 60s that was about this husband and wife. And the husband was getting annoyed with his wife and decided that he actually didn't want to be married to her anymore. So he, the only way he could figure out how to do that was to get her committed into an insane asylum. And in order to get her committed, she was going to have to be insane. And the best way to do that was to convince her that she was insane. So what he did was he would fiddle with the gas light that they have and turn the gas down so that it would flicker. And then she would say, oh, the light's flickering. Will you adjust that? And he would go, no, it's, it's not flickering. And so she would comment on it or try to fix it. And he would say, no, it's fine. To where she no longer believed she could trust her own experience of what was happening. And she thought she was crazy that the lights kept flickering, but nobody else around her could tell that it was flickering. So gaslighting is the purposeful, although sometimes subconsciously done, act of trying to convince someone that their reality is not real. And that seems kind of vast, but it's even just as simple as, hey, let's go out for dinner tomorrow at seven. And then when tomorrow at seven arrives, something like, oh, no, I never said that. It was just an idea that maybe we could do, but we never actually agreed on it to where all of a sudden it's oh, I must have misunderstood. I guess I misunderstood what you were saying. And it's chalked up to her being sensitive or her being confused or her not understanding. And if she would just learn more, pay more attention or be a bit more patient when really the person doing the gaslighting has shifted the rule book and didn't tell anyone. They shifted the reality and didn't let her in on it. So in betrayal trauma specifically, we'll see something like she might approach him and say, hey, something feels off. Are you looking at pornography? And even just him saying no, if he actually has, is gaslighting, convincing her that her reality isn't what's really happening. Mm. Oh, that's helpful. That's so helpful. And then just, I don't know if I mentioned it very clear earlier. If you have questions as we go along, feel free to put them in the chat for everyone. Or if you're thinking, I do have a question, but I don't want it out there for everyone, just send it right to Debbie. Just go to the chat, click on the blue everyone box, and you'll see Debbie's name there. And you can put, you can just send her a question and she'll ask it anonymously for you. So one, as you've been talking and just, I've been thinking about just people I love children or others and how these same kind of emotions and experiences are seem to seem to relate there as well. And so anyway, I know lots of our moms here might have a spouse or a child or other loved ones that might be in the same spot. So I'm trying to see how the pieces fit together for this, this bystander idea. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. it's, okay. it's kind of hard because we just don't talk about this group of people, but the idea is you are one removed from the relationship that's happening. So there's a addict, someone going through betrayal trauma, and then you are on the outside 
watching it happen, but really wanting to help. I love this. It's been really helpful. Debbie, do you have anything that's, that's been sent in? I, I see that there's one more question from the chat. If you want to read that one. Sure. And I have another question also. This one in the chat is how do you help a son who doesn't want help with pornography addiction? He continues to find ways to watch it. How do I handle that as a that as a mom? I get frustrated and angry every time I think he's messing up. He was a part of Sons of Helaman for about a year, but had to quit because of money. This one I feel like is probably best answered by mothers who know, right? I'm not super involved, but from what I understand, supporting moms who have kids that are just struggling. So I want to bring it back to you guys. What do you think? Well, how I would love to hear you talk about that is that that mom right there is a bystander, right? And in a way, I mean, I I can relate to her a lot because my kids have been involved in addiction and you feel almost like you're desperate to help them. You would, would do anything, even probably give your life if that would save them, but you can't. You learn that you're the sick, that there's only one savior and that's Jesus Christ. And so you've got to let go. But in the meantime, our kids, whether they're in the home or out of the home, they do gaslight because they want to make sure you know that what you're seeing isn't true, that you're a bit insane that they don't want anything to do with you. I mean, it goes on and on and on, right? And so meanwhile, Mm -hmm. you start to question like, oh, I did just lose it on them because I know they're lying, but then they come back with these explanations. And you're like, maybe I am crazy. Oh no, now I've just totally ruined everything because of my, you know, acting outside my diet system. But if it's, I would love to hear so for my part, for mothers who know, we've got to learn that the savior is the saving and to step back and get back with the spirit in the way that we're acting so that he can help us know when to go and when, what to say and what to do. And that's really hard, but it's a test of our faith to lean in and be all trusting in the Lord. So if you have something to add on that, that'd be great. But I would love to hear the bystander side of the, it's pretty much the same thing we in the bystander class we will specifically be talking about someone in betrayal trauma so someone who is in a relationship with the addict so but karen and i really think that this is a common thing so there'll probably be a class that's like parenting with similar principles how i would answer it in the bystander class is almost exactly the same week one the first tool that we teach is the surrender box We talk about the savior and the importance of accepting that the savior can handle my things. And so surrendering even my child into the atonement, handing them to the savior. I can't do all of this. I can't solve all the problems. I can't make all of their choices for them. I can't be the one that's doing that kind of rescuing. I've got to surrender them over to the savior. And then we would also validate just how hard it is to be experiencing the gaslighting to think that you're crazy, how hard it is to feel like I must not be doing what I'm supposed to do as a parent, because as the mom, I'm supposed to be doing all of these things, especially if they happen to be in that age of shifting from dependence to independence, where you've been fully providing everything and fully taking care of them for so long. And then now you can't, now they have to be independent. And so you can't do that. And to 
to shift from that role of taking care of all of the things to turning them over to the savior and allowing them to make their choices and responding within my value system to everything, regardless of their behaviors is a really hard space. And you're not alone in experiencing that space. Yeah. And I think also the, the leaning in on the savior is really, like I said before, is such a test of our faith because the consequences that they can suffer even more so as an adult can be so devastating and life-altering and you feel so helpless and they are your heart you would give them everything and to say okay i i i'm gonna allow the savior he can see them no matter where they are no matter what trouble they've just gotten themselves in he could see them that's i think one of the it turns it back on us as moms in the refining process that we're going through you know and Mm -hmm. it's our personal growth even when we so desperately just want to go in there and help our own kids. Yeah. And there's this weird, I so desperately want to go in there and help my own child. I feel like I'm supposed to. And I think that that Satan piggybacks on that and gives us some distortions of, well, you're the mom, so you need to fix it, right? You're the one who's there. You can see the consequences. It's your job to fix it. You've got to handle this. You've got to step in and take that control. So to battle all of those distortions that logically kind of make sense, and instead tap into the atonement and individual accountability and individual agency and handing over all of that stuff saying, I am his mom, but I'm not in charge of all of these things. It's actually none of my job anymore. They're no longer seven. So I've got to pass that along. I had a thought come to me while you were talking because the Satan will piggyback on every little crevice which makes him the father of all gaslighting right yeah yeah there's comments going on how do i navigate the relationship between my husband and kids when i see gaslighting and blame shifting in their relationship i often feel pulled between him and them Mm, that's a good one that is a good one and i space in the middle because my brain started doing something will you repeat it one more time for me yep how do i navigate the relationship between my husband and kids so now we're in the middle of this yeah when i feel when i see gaslighting and blame shifting in their relationship i often feel pulled between the husband and them the kids yeah this is a good example of what it means to be a bystander because really the relationship between parent and child is only between parent and child but as the other parent sometimes you're like oh i think i'm supposed to be helping out and navigating these relationships and it's just not our job so the husband to child relationship where you are now on the outside and can't control that makes you a bystander and navigating how to help this i think the key comes down to that phrase that was said of feeling pulled between them that idea that you're pulled between them what i first hear is so i must be i must have to pick a side one of them must be right one of them must be wrong and i need to pick a side and my job is to figure out whose side it is that i'm supposed to pick and in our bystander class we'll talk a lot about just learning who i am and what my values are and what my goals are and who i'm going to show up as and then showing up that way 
regardless of how other people are choosing to behave. The There's this, sorry, five sentences tried to come out at the same time. There is one episode that we did in the boundary series on the drama triangle. And drama triangle, when you're feeling like you have to be pulled between these two different sides, that screams drama triangle to me. That screams a rescuer who's just wanting to solve the problem between these two different people and pulling yourself out of the drama triangle and up into a healthy space of, oh, I'm not in charge of and I can't control either of them. That's not my monkey. That's not my circus. My job is to just show up as the mom I want to be when I'm with my children and the wife I want to be when I'm with my husband and to support what feels like truth and not support what doesn't feel like truth or whatever way that needs to go for me and for what the spirit prompts me to do, not solving relationships or navigating that between those two people. Hmm. That's so good because I think as a wife, you feel like you should should support your husband. And as the mom, you feel like you should protect your kids. Yeah. Probably the should is the key word to being in that drama triangle. Yeah, definitely. Then if it's a, I've got to solve this problem, then that's going to be the rescuer side of the drama triangle. If it were, I need to tell everyone what they're doing wrong, that'd be the persecutor side or the, I can't do anything these guys are just doing. That'd be the victim. Right. And, and I, anytime you see yourself just spiraling, trying to figure out how to make these two different people do a thing, you're in a triangle. I love the words you use because spiraling, another word for that would be spinning. Mm-hmm. And those of us uh, that have attended mom power know that when you're in the spin, you're, you're under the influence of the father of the gaslighter. Yeah. 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 I love your words, Ashley. The ultimate gaslighter himself. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Okay. I am no devil for there is none. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Here's another, they're coming in fast. So we've got lots. Ashley, you mentioned how addiction or trauma in a family affects the whole family. I am the one experiencing the, betray- the betrayal trauma as the wife, but I am worried about what this is doing to my children. Would this class be helpful for me to learn about their experience? It seems this is exactly the purpose of the course. Either way, are there resources to help learn how to help them with the impacts of betrayal from their father? They know some, but not the worst realities of the betrayal. Yeah, that's a common one. I, If you're not part of the Worth group of life-changing services, I would highly recommend that. We spend a lot of time in Worth talking about mothering and how to shield my children, how to teach my children, how to do those things, because it's so common. And there needs to be a class directly for that, but there isn't currently. This class, if you're the one experiencing betrayal trauma, will be hard for you but send send me your mom send me your best friend send me your cousin so you can get the support that you need while you're experiencing betrayal trauma and then go to worth and get that help as well because navigating that piece is so hard i the answer is going to change based on the age of the kids really but ultimately what it comes down to is you working your healing you doing your work to make sure that you are going to be okay is going to set your kids up with an example of what it looks like to be okay. 
And that's the best thing you can do to help your kids who will also be experiencing betrayal trauma from their father, right? As they have to navigate what that's going to look like and how that works. They'll need some therapeutic help, send them that too. But the best thing that you can really do is to work on your own betrayal trauma healing so that you can show that example of what it looks like. Mm, that's good. So the first priority there would be to get into the worth group and get behavior or betrayal trauma therapy, but they're also bystanders. So would they want to do both or do one first and then the other? I would, I would recommend doing betrayal trauma work first, because in this class, we will talk about the hard things of being in betrayal trauma. And if you're currently still experiencing that betrayal trauma, it will be hard. Okay. So I wouldn't recommend coming. Excellent answer. Okay, here's another one. Are you still need? Oh, sorry, that's a different question. Okay, because I'm accused of not supporting him or not supporting and protecting them. Hmm. Was that referring to being pulled between? Yeah, that husband the and kids. Question. Yep. That's yeah. Re- yeah. The accused is that key word there accusations don't mean truth right with my my 11 year old comes home from school and says so-and-so thinks i'm ugly i say well if so-and-so told you the sky was purple would that make it true just because someone's saying it to you doesn't mean it's true and what kind of effect it will have on us determines um is what we have control over so if someone tells me the sky is purple and i go I thought it was blue this whole time. I'm such an idiot. Everyone probably thinks that I'm an idiot. They can see because I've talked about the sky being blue before. Oh, no. If I internalize that, well, that's going to make it really hard for me. If my 10-year-old internalizes that person thinks she's ugly as truth, then now she's going to be thinking all those same things. Oh, people think I'm ugly. Everyone can see it. They've all probably been laughing about me because I've talked about it, right? If she internalizes that as truth, that's what causes the problem. And so being accused of something does not make it true. Showing up where the power comes from is identifying what is my value system and did I act within my values? Then I'm, Mm. and if I didn't act within my values, then I'm going to turn to my higher power who says, come unto me and I will show unto you your weaknesses. I'm not going to turn to other flawed humans to tell me my weaknesses. So if I acted outside of my values, then I'm going to turn to him and I'm going to say, hey, I think I acted outside of my values there. Help me know what I need to do to shift because the flawed humans around me don't have that kind of perspective. So I'm not going to turn to them to get that kind of information. Hmm, So good. I was thinking while you were talking yet again and all that is I was studying the great and spacious building or Lehigh's dream at one point. And it occurred to me that when I believe a story that someone's telling me, so let's say you're ugly, you don't fit in. When you talk, you embarrass yourself. And I believe that. Well, one, that's a lie. But it occurred to me when I was studying the Lehigh's dream that the people in the great and spacious building, that's it, right? Yeah. They're the ones saying that. But I even thought maybe it's me in that great and spacious building when I'm believing it, because then I'm even saying it back to myself. Yeah. Does that make sense? Ooh, it does. Yeah. I like that. The, the, we see in the story, the people who listen to the great and spacious, spacious building end up walking toward it, that they let go, they become ashamed. I can't remember the exact words, but they 
become ashamed and are lost as they walk toward this building. And so I've thought of it that way before, but I really liked the idea of if I'm believing these things, then really I'm in that great and spacious building pointing at myself. I know. Saying, Look I, what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. How can I bet go about how can I better go about living with a narcissist sister and then the havoc that it plays on the whole family? I have learned that I can, mm, I think that's a typo. Mm. I have learned that I can feel better. You're going to have to just write me with that. Actually, I have learned that I can, it says gray rock. And after feeling so much pain, I realized that in order to survive, I need to choose to keep a surface level relationship and not share deep. Yes, you're spot on. Okay. Um, gray rock is a tool that you use oh. with individuals who are narcissists. So that's well done. You already know oh, what gray rock what is. That is. Yeah. I'll tell everyone else what it is. Okay. Um, with individuals displaying narcissistic tendencies. And I phrase it that way because the actual narcissistic personality disorder is rarely something that can be diagnosed it, it just doesn't happen that often, but in addiction or in other situations, the part of your brain that turns off when you're dealing with an addiction is the part that does things like empathy, choices and consequences, long-term thinking, and narcissism is defined as an inability to empathize. So if you're dealing with addiction, that ability to empathize has been turned off. So addiction will, be, will breed narcissistic tendencies. They just kind of go hand in hand. So whether your sister is diagnosed or she just has narcissistic tendencies for one reason or another, the way we deal with a narcissist takes purposeful thought and planning. The term gray rock simply means be as interesting as a gray rock. A narcissist usually is really insecure. And so they get their identity, they get their feelings of having a place in this world and being secure from all of the people around them. And we term those people narcissistic supply. So if you are a narcissistic supply, the narcissist is coming to you to maintain their identity because they don't have that internal, but with destructive tendencies, not the like, oh, I'm feeling a little codependent kind of tendencies that we all display. So a narcissist will come with accusations or will come with big grand gestures or will come with a variety of tactics to try to get your attention because your attention reminds them how important they are and fills that need. So gray rock is basically, I'm not giving you all of my attention because that's what's fueling these unhealthy patterns is me giving you attention, whether it's a response to an accusation or whether it's an appreciation of the grand gesture, whatever kind of attention comes from the tactics that the narcissist use causes like a habitual procession of narcissistic abuse so gray rock is a tool for that which is simply as little information as possible and as little attention as possible become as interesting as a gray rock so they can no longer get their supply from me they've got to go somewhere else hopefully to therapy or they can just learn some internal help right but they can't get it from me so that's what gray rock is. It includes things like if I need to give an answer, my answer is going to be as few words as possible and without any emotion. Often with narcissists, information becomes weapons. So any kind of information you give 
if it's not absolutely 100% required, can be then turned around and used against you. So for example, if you tell a narcissist, oh, I've got plans to go to the movies on Friday, so I'm not going to be able to do that thing, then the narcissist will watch every move, will, they might, right, depending on how they these present, watch every move. And if you're not at the movie when you said you were, then they'll come back with, well, you're so heartless because you said you're going to the movie, but actually that was a lie. You didn't do these things and you could have helped me after all. So information can become weapons. So this person in the chat, Gray Rock is fabulous. Well done. Practicing that is important. And there's lots of information on how to do that in NarcissisticAbuseRecovery.org. And then what you mentioned about, I've learned that I have to keep things surface level is spot on. Because when you go deep, that's when you're giving them the information and the attention. So keep it surface level. I'm going to guess and let me know if I'm on or not that keeping it surface level just feels really insincere. And so you feel like you're not connecting with this person like you want to and things have shifted and it's just not the kind of relationship that you hoped for with your sister, right? And allowing yourself to grieve that is important. This class specifically can provide you with some tools as you watch the, the narcissist in your life dealing with other people that might provide some tools for you, but really doing some work with a counselor who understands what narcissistic behaviors look like is what I would recommend the most or your own research. I really like NarcissisticAbuseRecovery.org and I really like Dr. Ramani, R-A-M-A-N-I. She's on YouTube. Both of those have really good information for navigating life. That's cool. I don't, my internet keeps going in and out. And so I don't know if you can hear me or not, but that's who Dr. Ramani is, who I've been like, I've for the last several, last two years, I've been following her because with my ex-husband being narcissist, diagnosed narcissist bipolar disorder, he, I had to understand it so that I could help my children through it and help myself to not, because all those things that you were saying, it is you you doubt yourself you doubt your own your own you know what you've you've been experiencing and and then right now with the situation that I'm in I I I do I feel like I do have to grieve the relationship yeah. that I thought that I was going to have with my sibling because I wanted it so badly and I thought um, everything that you know I shared things deeply and I thought that it was genuine because mm-hmm. I. I am an open, genuine person, and I know right now that's that that feeling of having to to grieve that, but also know, you know, at surface level is, oh, how's oh, how was your day? You know, just the little oh, thank you for doing that, and how was your day? I hope you oh yeah, that's not you know, just very simple and then not in a deep way where before. You know, I was sharing the deep things of, in my life with her and that I experienced and, but those things got turned around and thrown at me. And so I realized, okay, no, I need to learn. There's something that I need to learn then, from, especially if I want to help other people, there's something that I can learn in this experience. So what can I do to learn from this experience rather than run away from it or you know, I could return home, go back and stay with my mom 
And, but I know my mom doesn't need that stress either. And I want to learn how to, as going through all this recovery and doing through all this, the trauma, I'm, I want to be better so that I can help others through it as well. So I, I really am excited about your class. I think it'll be wonderful. Yeah, I think this class would be helpful because of how many opportunities you're going to have to watch the multiple narcissists in your life, engage with people that you love, giving yourself some tools for how to navigate that and what to do, when to step in, when not to step in and how to tell a difference, I think could be really beneficial. And also, I just want to honor, validate, acknowledge how hard it must be to be trying to function with multiple people gaslighting you in your life and figuring out which way is up and what is even truth and how to figure all of that out. That's just got to be so hard. So hopefully you have individual support letting you know that you're not crazy and that you're not alone. This class will definitely help with navigating what to do with all of those other exterior relationships. But I really hope that you have some, because that's got to be so hard. Thank you, Ashley. I appreciate that. My, I, I am fortunate to have, and moving back to type, finding, like having friends that I've had for years and years, you know, since middle school that I just, I'm still very close with and, and relationships from a distance and their support has been really wonderful because they, they're like, Laura, no, okay, you're the same. Why do you think you think of all these people? I can name a handful of all that would come right away to you because you're the same and give the same love without, without expecting anything in return. And, and then she, you know, like these two said, look, nothing about with your sibling, any person that she, she doesn't have any close relationships or friendships all these years. And it's because it's a use and discard kind of thing or use, you know, the supply until everything that you can get. And then, you know, done. But I think for myself, why I wanted to believe it so much is because she's been 19 months sober mm-hmm. and in her addiction. And so I, I thought, you know what, maybe I can help with the next stage of progression for her. And I believed the things that, you know, a narcissist is a good, a good manipulator to say the things that they want mm-hmm. to believe. And then but then once you're in the home, you know, sharing a home with it, then it reminded me of my relationship that I left, you know, yeah. from my husband. And so I, but I, my thought process is, you know what, I, I can learn something from this because back then I didn't, I didn't know the knowledge that I do now. Yeah. I don't have the, I didn't have the tools that I do now. And so for this experience right now, I, I know I eventually in the next two years or so want to go on a mission. And, and so my, my thinking is what are the things that I can learn from this experience so that it'll help me help others when I do that. And so that's, I want to arm myself with, with things to, to be able to navigate these situations because I know I'm not the only one, just like all of you, all of us are experiencing that. And and if we can go out and help others, then that, you know, it helps, helps us feel validated, but also helps us, I don't know, I just want to help other people to feel 
that they have sanity, you know? Uh-huh. So, I do. Thank you for everything that you do. Thank you. Your resilience Thanks. of, hey, I'm going through this, but what am I going to take from it and how am I going to use it to serve is just astounding. So good job. I'm so impressed. If you have days where you're not feeling that resilient, that's also okay. You're allowed to have hard days, but thank you for coming and sharing your experience with us and what that has looked like. And I'm, I, having walked a similar path as far as, well, now this thing that I've experienced is going to be used to help others. It's, it's a, it's an interesting one. And I am excited for you. So good. Okay. Here's a question. Would this program be helpful for adult sons who had to live with me through my betrayal? Ooh, yes. Yep. You experiencing your betrayal trauma and your children are the bystanders there. Yes. This would be helpful for them. And then one other question. This is now my sister, but if I think it's going to be the same answer you said before, but I just want to clarify. She definitely has been through betrayal trauma and her kids are also going through probably betrayal trauma from their dad. So they're all in betrayal trauma. Mm -hmm. And then they're all bystanders, right? Because they're all watching each other in a way. And each of her three daughters, two of the three actually have, you know, they've started self-harm suicide ideation and this type of stuff which my sister is just like beside herself she doesn't know what to do because she's in her own trauma right yeah so in that case that sounds again to me like would they all they all need betrayal trauma help first before they would benefit from yeah in this case you are the one that needs to come to this class you're watching so much happen over there and trying to figure it out. And even just your desire for them to be okay, for your sister to be okay, for her to know what to do to help them. All of that's very evident in what you're saying. You are the one that needs this class. They also need some help. Not that what they're going through is, you know, they don't need help for it. They do too, but you're the one that would want to come to this class. Okay, good. Good answer, Ashley. What do you have, BJ? Do you have anything over there? Yeah, I have one more question here. My my awesome sister has experienced virtual and physical infidelity with her husband. And as I have tried to support her over the years, I don't know if I have done it the right way. Let's see. At this point, are there things I can do, even though lots of time has passed to be supportive to her in a better way? Yes, come to this class. You'll have lots of things that you can do. The damage that has been done previously and damage might be strong. I don't like the wrong way. If you were supporting the best way that you could according to the stuff that you knew how, that was the best that you can do. But there's an opportunity to learn new ways and those new ways will help you heal and help them heal. And there's lots to learn. Okay. And then there's one question that just came in as far as, let's see. Okay. This question deals with me experiencing betrayal trauma. I would really like to be able to trust again and wonder if that's a possibility. I guess each situation is different. 
but do you have any thoughts about being able to trust after being, after feeling so betrayed? Yes. First, you're not alone. This inability to trust what happens is our brain, starting from the second we're born, it organizes a framework to help us understand the world. And that framework is called a schema. So it organizes a schema and we experience something and our brain says, oh, which schema does this fit in? And it's just like a quick shortcut to help our brain know what to do. So for example, my cousin had a two-year-old daughter and she went outside and saw snow for the first time. And her schema didn't include snow. It included something else that was light and fluffy and kind of airy and floats. And she looked at the snow and called it because that's where her brain said, oh, that's what's that's what this is. These are bubbles. It matches all of these different things. Well, then she learned new things about it and discovered that bubbles and snow are different. So now her brain had to rebuild new schema. So that's what our brain does. Takes in the information we can observe and then files it in a way that makes sense. In betrayal trauma, everything your brain has built, it's trust schema around. When you experience betrayal trauma, there's no place for that to be filed because nowhere in building trust schema did you learn, oh, my person that I am committed to for eternity might throw all of those covenants out the window and might actually make all of these choices that really hurt me, even though they're the person I'm supposed to rely on most. That doesn't fit. That's not logical. That doesn't fit anywhere with trauma. And what happens is that trust schema, the understanding of what trust is, shatters. It just shatters. Your brain doesn't understand trust anymore. It doesn't make sense because it, that doesn't fit anywhere and it just shatters the whole schema. The That will be across the board. So going through betrayal trauma, you'll it's gonna be really hard to trust your spouse, which makes sense, but then you'll off, often notice yourself having a hard time trusting yourself because you were the person that chose to marry him. You'll have a hard, hard time trusting that happy couple in, in church on the other side of the pew because you looked happy for a really long time, but it turns out you were just faking it. So they probably aren't happy either. You'll have a hard time trusting random strangers at the grocery store because actually all men are idiots. And so how can you even trust anyone, right? You're gonna have a hard time trusting God because whatever your relationship with God before, it didn't include the option that this might be a thing that happens. Trust across the board will be shattered. And that's not bad. I mean, it's not good. It's not something we want everyone to experience, but it is something that you will experience because your brain doesn't understand trust. So my thoughts on this are, you're not crazy. You're not alone. Your trust schema has been shattered, but it doesn't have to stay shattered. Just like the two-year-old who then her schema adjusted and said, oh, there's snow and bubbles. These are different. Let's shift to understand differences. In betrayal trauma recovery, if you aren't in worth, please go get in worth. In betrayal trauma recovery, what you'll learn to do is to rebuild that trust schema. It won't always, people won't always use that verbiage. I will use it all the time if you happen to be in my group. But the goal is to just start learning about trust. Letting your brain learn about trust. Study scriptures about trust. Begin to trust yourself. If something feels off, it is. It's because something is off and I can trust that about myself. Trust your connection with the spirit, which will lead to then trusting God again, but starting with just, I can discern these two things. And as you slowly begin to rebuild trust, you'll also start learning what things are not trustworthy 
what kind of behaviors are not trustworthy behaviors? I don't, just because this person was in my trust circle for a minute, doesn't mean they're gonna stay there forever. And based on their trustworthiness behaviors, here's how I will shift them in my inner circles, right? So you're not gonna be left struggling with trust forever. As you learn about trust again, as you go step by step, and for me, the steps are trusting myself, trusting the spirit, and then we'll talk about anything else. We'll go from there, that you'll be able to find yourself navigating that without the fear. I hate also, this is just a side note, soapbox. I hate the word trust issues. And if the, if the person in your life that brought you into betrayal trauma is not working recovery, you might hear things like, well, I'm doing better now. I've apologized and I'm doing everything right now. And the reason you don't trust me is because of your trust issues. You might hear that. And I just want you to hear this instead. <laughs> the reason you don't trust yet is because you know that trusting isn't safe yet. The reason you don't trust is because trustworthy behaviors weren't exhibited. That's not trust issues. That's trust wisdom. <laughs> When you know it's not safe to trust, you don't trust. And that's good, that's okay. In fact, the scriptures tell us to trust not in the arm of flesh, to trust not what man can do, but to trust God and only God. And for a long time, that's only really be the person that you trust as you begin to rebuild that. And then new layers of trust will come in, but it's not, it's not forever, you'll be okay. Mm. Thanks so much, Ashley. All right, Debbie, do you have anything else? I did see someone that had a hand raised at one point. If they still have the question, feel free to just unmute now. Yeah, I just, I think what you just said is so powerful because when you have trust issues, <laughs> you don't trust yourself. As you said earlier, you don't trust your judgment or your, or your, for, I can only speak for myself, but I remember when I was in the, thick of learning that my husband was with many others I just remember thinking like I will never allow myself to be in this position again so therefore I will never trust again because I can only protect myself however I didn't even trust that myself knew how to make those a correct judgment because here it was right so anyway I think that's really powerful that Oh, I want you to say that last part again, because that was where the power was that those we have to trust ourselves to know that we're in that situation, not trusting because that is trust wisdom. Did I say that back correctly? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like a complete flip of I can't trust. I won't trust. I don't even trust myself to. Oh, I don't trust because I have trust wisdom. Yeah. That's a big flip. That's really powerful. So, um, notice notice how even just that you go like you can breathe a little bit easier yeah, like, People on the screen i watched you breathe a little bit easier and the reason is because that's truth right it's your body releases and goes oh okay that that's where the truth is versus all of the other piggyback distortions coming at you whether they're coming at you from the adversary or coming at you from an external source who hasn't learned that yet that makes us tighten up and so just knowing that if I don't trust yet, that's trust wisdom. If I have trust issues and I, 
when I think of issues, I'm like, oh, I'm having hair issues today. I tried to make it do something and it's not going to do what I want it to do. And so then trust issues is I'm trying to trust, but it's not doing what I want it to do. But really, if your trust schema has broken, it's not supposed, you're not supposed to be trusting. That's not a thing that your brain can even do. That's not a trust issue. That's a broken trust schema. And if you don't trust yet, it's because you haven't seen trustworthy behaviors yet, which is trust wisdom. You shouldn't be trusting if there aren't trustworthy behaviors. So starting with that. Yeah. And I also love that we teach at Mothers Who Know that we need to listen to our bodies, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we have several little tools that we teach, but the body was the hardest thing for me to realize that you could listen to. But while you were speaking, and when I was trying to explain what I was feeling while you were talking, the body communicated agitation and great restriction. Like it was just so awful. I just can't even tell you. I couldn't do anything. And then when it was, what was the word you said? And when it came to trust wisdom, the body did do, as you said, mm -hmm. and went, oh, thank you. I yeah. now have a place to stand because I can trust that trust wisdom. And it also then allows me to hear and feel the spirit that I'm okay, which yes. is real power, right? Absolutely. I Isn't it fascinating that God really wanted us and we really wanted to come get bodies. And when we start paying attention to just what is my body telling me, how much more we learn about ourselves and how much more we learn about what we experience and how much more we learn about life. I just, I just learned this. I haven't researched it. Someone else told it to me, but I believe it to be true that there are studies done on the neurons that reside in your gut. Mm. And when you have a gut feeling that actually is your body making physical neuron connections, just like your brain does. And that's a real thing. And so when we're paying attention to just, okay, what's my body telling me there there's wisdom in what your body can tell you. Yeah. And I think that's so awesome to say that too, because there's neurons throughout our body and we think it's all in our brain, Yeah, but it's not, it's through our whole body. And so I just think that's so enlightening to realize that our body actually is a tool yeah. we can use to fight the adversary and to communicate and to trust. We can trust it. And then there was one other thought I had about, oh, and we talk about like, even when we're in that spin, that spiral, right? That one of the ways to fight that is to use your body. body. And that would be the same thing. And why is using your body so effective? Because it helps to well, you use it in your scientific words, but I think it helps to settle our brain down yeah. and get back on track. Yeah. And if we take it then spiritual, I can't remember if it's Bednar or Eyring. I think it's Bednar who tells us that the reason Satan attacks our body is because it's the tool that we have that he doesn't. And so, of course, he's going to try to tempt us to use them in ways that's not appropriate. Of course, he's going to say, hey, don't get off the couch right now. Of course, he's going to say whatever our own personal temptation is for not using our bodies in the appropriate way. because that body is such a tool. And if he can get us to just use it inappropriately or not use it at all, then it he can mitigate that advantage that we have. Mm, so powerful. I see has her hand up over there. Just unmute yourself. Thank you. <laughs> Let me say Yeah, I was really impressed with what you were all saying, but I also had a question 
Well, first of all, just wow and thank you because actually I hit a major chord and I didn't realize, you know, with basically, you know, growing up with some abuse and then you know, having a husband who also was an addict and now we're divorced. It's like, okay, so no wonder I have some, some I'm going to say trust issues, but somewhat with myself as in like, you know, more insecure than I want to be and trying to work on those things. So I thought, you know, that was a little enlightenment for yeah. me. And I yeah. want to know how we can go from that to being more powerful. Good question. I think there's lots of different ways and everyone will find their own way. But the thing that stuck out to me while you were talking was you said, first you talked about abuse you experienced as a child and then about, I'm assuming some abuse that you experienced in your marriage since you are now divorced. And you said, no wonder I have some trust issues with myself. And what my brain switched it to that I want to share with you is, oh, you experienced lots of abuse basically your whole life. So no wonder Satan said, ooh, if I can use not trusting herself as a tool, I think that that's really going to hit home for her because she's had all of this experience and all of these people gaslighting her. So no wonder Satan wants to use that one because you were just set up perfectly to be someone that he's going to come in and say, no, you can't trust yourself. I can't see your face. So I don't know if that's triggering or helpful for you, but I'm just going to keep talking for a second because I have one more thought. Acknowledging then that the abuse you experienced from all of the different places you experienced it was not your fault. You did not cause it. You cannot cure it and you did not control it. None of that was on you. Then it is not you who wasn't trustworthy. It was all of these people to you who wasn't trustworthy. And really the one solid in all of them was you. And you're here today which tells me that you're striving to learn and striving to grow and striving to heal. So if there's one constant that can be trusted in all of the experiences that you have, it is you because here you are. And if you, if you can't trust it for yourself yet, that's okay because your trust schema has been shattered. In fact, if you had childhood abuse, your trust schema probably didn't even build healthily. It probably built with all of these incorrect things that are happening there. So for you to sit in a meeting, striving to get help, having a shattered or altered trust schema in the first place, just proves how powerful you are and how capable you are and how you can trust yourself. And just start there. Just start there to rewrite the words that you were saying. They're going to come into your brain with, oh, I can't trust myself or whatever other lie it is that Satan's giving to you and just stop and go, nope, I did this today. So I can trust myself. And sometimes that I did this today is going to be sitting in a really hard meeting. Sometimes I did that today is going to be taking a shower, not killing a child. <laughs> it's, going to, it's going to be varying levels of difficulty. But every time you do those, giving yourself that credit. No, I show up. I am doing the work. I am right here. I can trust this. And then when you pull in the spirit, that's where the real, the extra power is going to come. Thank you. I've been trying to focus on, remember to pull God in and praise him. Like when I do, like when my anxiety is up really high and I have a hard time making decisions and stuff, um, mm -hmm. it makes, 
I have a lot of stuff going on in my life, but I find that also very helpful just to keep bringing Heavenly Father in and praising him. And then that helps calm me, helps remind me of who I am. Yeah. I love your awareness of what you can do to help ease that anxiety. That awareness, you can trust yourself. You are the one who knows that that's what you can do when you're beginning to feel that anxiety and you know exactly how it helps you. So your awareness of yourself is spot on. You can trust that. Thank you. Thanks for the question. Ashley, thank you so much for all the words that you say. They're just, you're so powerful and I can tell, I feel the spirit when you speak. So I'm so thankful that you brought the spirit with you today and all of the things he's taught you. I don't have any more questions, so we'll turn it to BJ, but I would love before you close, if you have just like something that's burning in your mind to close with, to send us onward and upward on our way. Ashley, maybe if you could do that right after this, this would be awesome. (laughs) Thank you, Debbie. That would be great. I'm just noticing and thinking myself, can you just share? I know we've heard a little bit that there is a class by Standard Basics, but can you share a little bit more about the details of that, that class, how, how often it is, how long it is, when does the next one start? And because I think there's a lot of interest in just understanding that information. And then also just, I loved what said a few weeks ago, just we, lots of times there is a cost to things, right? That we do that are valuable for us and help us, you know, as wives and mothers and spouses, I think sometimes we, we fall a little short as far as if my kid needs braces or speech therapy, or I want them to have valuable experiences or help with things that they're struggling with, I would pay over and over. When it comes to me, (laughs) I would shortcut that anyway. So I just, I just want to throw that in there that I'm just at 51 starting to realize that I am valuable and I am worth spending so many on things that are are valuable and helpful for me. So I just just want to throw that in there too, because I'm not in that mode often. <laughs> but yeah, if you could give a little bit of information on that so we have it on the recording. And so and and just where do we find it? And and I did put a link in the chat, but just so that's on our recording as well before you send us off with any final thoughts. And we are looking forward, Ashley, to having you at our retreat in April. How fun to just link arms with you and be with you. And Ashley will be sharing a little bit and involved there as well. So so looking forward to that. So, all right, Ashley, did I give you enough questions to answer? <laughs> I think so. So this next round of Bystander Basics is going to start the first Wednesday of January. It's going to be held at two o'clock mountain time. Should be about 90 minutes of a class. And it's a 10 week course. And if there's a week where you have to miss, or if that time of day is just awful for you, but you still want to participate, we will be recording each lesson and then releasing that to the class members only. It comes with course materials every week for you to look at and homework for you to take into your life if you have the mental and emotional and physical time capacity to do so, just to help make sure that all of those things are, are really solidified in. It's There's a 10-person cap. We only, we limit it to 10 participants and you can sign up at rejoicerecovery.org. You have to scroll down a little bit to classes. The cost is $380. So that's 38 per week because it's a 10 week course. 
so 380 but if you're part of mothers who know or happen to listen to this recording if you type in capital mwh mothers who know 50 that will give you 50 dollars off of it to hopefully help at least mitigate that cost a little bit and if that's not enough please email me all right just just send me an email <laughs> let's chat there are other ways to pay for things than with money so if if that $50 off doesn't release enough of the of the burden for you, then come talk to me and we'll see what we can do. I've been trying to come up with a good, eloquent send off. And what just keeps coming to my mind is the way that I end all of my worth groups, which is just remember that you are not crazy and you are not alone and that you will be together again with people who can love and support you soon. You don't have to try to fight this battle by yourself. That's all. Thank you so much, Ashley. Awesome. We appreciate that. And thank you so much for all you've done. Just your generous efforts with Mothers Who Know and coming and sharing with the Boundaries series and just all the other places. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you, everyone. If you happen to have any questions for us at Mothers Who Know, you can send us an email at motherswhoknow at lifechangingservices.org. And, or you can go to motherswhoknow.org, our website, and find lots of different resources and things to, that we'd love to see you at and, and join with you in. So thanks, everyone. Thanks again, Ashley. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, motherswhoknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers Who Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers You Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Do They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. And the Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSA age young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook, under mothersyouknow.lcs or search for Mothers You Know and on Instagram, username at mothers underscore who know. Last, if you would like additional support and training, please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week mom power training class for all moms. You can also go to the Mothers You Know website at mothersyouknow.org or our parent company, Life Changing Services, at lifechangingservices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at mothersyouknow at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.